you see it? Yes! Oh, we were out here with that music! The lousy bastard was in there yelling out! Ciao! Ciao! Hey, don't hang up. This is Jello Ciao Ciao, the all Jello show. If you even think of hanging up or leaving the room for a scotch, we will murder you. Now listen, Great Creeperson and the Phantom Eric and Chris want to take you on a ride through dark alleys and bright rooms, long stairways, and backstage at the art gallery. If you want to live, you'll don your black gloves and join them for the ride. Ciao, ciao, everybody, and welcome to episode 45 of Jallo Chow Chow, the all Jallo show, where we never put things off, including this show. How's everybody I'm, doing? I'm feeling a little reversed. Chris is doing wonderful tonight, I think. Like you right, turned that, around? That's better. Is my shirt Yeah, you have, Yep. There you go. Four seasons. You always worry about the the video feed. Yeah, no one's watching this. My shirt's backwards. No, it's not. It well, is it is. It is for you. Yeah. I don't know why they do that. Just make it fucking simple, stupid. Okay. So if you are joining us tonight, and you would like to converse with us, please use the Q and A thing button or whatever, or else we're not going to see it. So, um, with that said, let's get into the show. Yeah. So, how was everybody? How was everybody's fortnight? It was a good fortnight. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you had some beef jerky. So, I'm excited. Did you mail it to me? I can mail it to you. Do you have like a dehydrator or whatever? No, I just have a meat smoker that I uh, use in my backyard. (laughs) That's awesome. <laughs> I totally, I totally want to fill my mouth up with your jerky. Okay. Can we have a meat smoker joke, please? Well, I mean, I, all I do is I open it up and I put the meat in there, and then it, okay. it's like a slow, low and slow cooking. Get that the meat cooking real nice and the juice is flowing. Slow and low, that is the tempo, as they say. Right. That's the tempo of our show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I think it will be. I'm taking slow and low. Chris can't get his soundboard to work. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, um, I was all prepared to be just 
bombarding everyone with all these fantastic clips from the movie pieces, including the infamous bastard, which I did a full version and then individual bastards separately, I think, or something. I don't know. But stupid fucking internet technology <laughs> nonsense. You know what? Work. If, if you spent five minutes looking up tutorials on YouTube on how to do all the stuff that you try to do, you wouldn't have these problems at the beginning of the show. Trust YouTube. It's okay, it's okay to say that you need help. It doesn't make you less of a man. Thanks. If it wasn't for YouTube tutorials, I wouldn't know how to do anything. Thanks. Hey, Creep, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> the truth of the matter, ladies and gentlemen, is that this particular computer device was properly set up on many occasions. And I, not only can I not get my custom overlay, which you don't see, all of a sudden not popping up anymore, but the, uh, the Soundflower, which is the application that I use to merge multiple sound sources through one output device, is not working. I do different stuff with my Soundflower. <laughs> yeah. Truth be told, I actually snuck into your house and disabled all of that because I didn't want to be bombarded with bastards all night. Well, I'm going to try it again. So did you um did you see Night uh Night of Living Dead at a drive-in? Did I see that? No, I um posted that I was super jealous that I wasn't there to see oh. Night of Living Dead at the uh, drive-in. But that's a good segue because um I wanted to um write a segue. I just I just wanted to talk <laughs> I just wanted to talk about how awesome these guys are with their continued. Um, drive-in uh, features. I think they're doing um, to kick off uh, the Halloween season. They're doing "I Drink Your Blood and I Eat Your Skin," which is uh, like the ultimate. Yeah, that was the th that was the third part of the trilogy. Hmm. I miss that. Um, Eric, you're disgusting. Listen, but then you know. I drink your blood is far superior than I eat. I eat your skin. I would suggest just ducking out. You drink out of it. my butt. Yeah. Yeah. From what I remember, um, isn't I eat your skin like a black and white film? Yeah. Can and, I tell you a little um, anecdote about that? Please. Sure. Or an antidote. No, I'm going to give you an anecdote. Okay. It has X in it. Um, I did a film called Lovesick Captivity. And um, oh, I can't believe I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Um, Heather Hewitt. We, uh, Heather Hewitt is in that movie, and um, she is the lead actress in "I Eat Your Skin." Huh. And in my movie, she plays this overbearing mom on this adult who's trying to like break away from his mom, and she's like really physical with him, intimately kind of thing. And so he's all freaked out by his mom. But in the movie, because that's public domain, I have him watching that movie. And he's like all like getting aroused watching I Eat Your Skin. Because his mom's and it, in the it, heat. And it's but his mom. But it's not supposed to be his mom. But he's just like getting ready to spank bank to some hot chick in a bikini. But yeah, so that was just a weird little fun thing. That is weird. And little, and fun. Thank you for sharing. Like my well, penis. Well, <laughs> well, guys, 
I'm trying now to put the Google headband on my head, and that's not working either. So maybe it's a complete disaster with regard to this computer. I think so. Steve Jobs' ghost is haunting you. Yeah, but it, Steve Jobs had nothing to do with Google. So I know, but you're on a Mac, right? Yeah, but it's the rest of the Mac seems to be working. But anyway, you're not uh, you're not on a penny board, so no one could hold a mirror out in front of you. I so. have to uh, <laughs> I have to um, talk about this movie I watched uh, over the past fortnight, which I still haven't decided whether I want to say I liked it or not. It was really, 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 really awful. And the editor. No. <laughs> It was called... Shit, what was it called? It was called... Um, Would You Rather? It Would was I rather with, it, it was with Jeffrey Combs, the Mr. Reanimator guy. And it was like a 2013 horror film uh, about this guy who invites people to a dinner party and plays this deadly game of Would You Rather with them. And the winner is supposed to get like this... Um, huge monetary prize to help them out of whatever struggles they're in. You know, the main character, uh, her boyfriend is... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Her brother is dying of some kind of crazy disease and he needs a bone marrow transplant. And this guy says, well, if you come and play our would-you-rather game and you win, then you'll get all the medical uh, help that you need and we could put him at the top of the donor list and all this other stuff. Um... And the movie is like it's so bad. It's it, I had to continue to sit and watch it because I wanted to see how it ended. Um, but like you know, he he gets them around the dinner table and he basically after you know not not to really ruin it too much, but he basically forces them to stay. He says, "Okay, does anybody want to leave before we play the game?" And nobody wants to leave. And then once he asks the first "Would you rather" question, they all get freaked out because the guy's a maniac. But then a whole bunch of people come in with guns and keep them around the table at gunpoint, and they have to play the game. And like one of the games is, uh, "Would you rather, um, uh, you know, smack this one guy with the whip or plunge an ice pick into this person's leg or something like that?" And um, yeah, it's on Netflix and. Um, it's I, I I don't know what to say. If anybody uh, in our group or in our circle has seen this film and has any thoughts about it whatsoever, I thought it was really really terrible. But at the same time, I couldn't turn it off. So, how really terrible was it? Is it kind of like House on Haunted Hill? The original? I never Either. saw the remake. So, no, oh, the it's amazing. Um. No, because House on Haunted Hill was kind of like fun and funny. This one was just really kind of. It tried to be. It tried to be like a, a cross between um, disturbing, objectionable, and like torture porn kind of. But at the same time, it wasn't done that well. Like it didn't offend me and it didn't make me um, uncomfortable. It just made me kind of like feel like. I was watching a really bad movie. What's the what's what's its Giallo score? Oh, I didn't I didn't score. It. Oh. Didn't it didn't get any Giallo score? How's it doing with the Divas Revolution? 
Don't justify that with an answer. Listen, I think tonight we should play a little Would You Rather as we talk about pieces. How does that sound? If I justify that with an answer, the answer would be, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. I'm talking about, is Charlotte Flair a man? Well, of course. Is that Ric Flair's okay. sister? Daughter. Daughter, okay. Son. Illegitimate. Yeah. Um, oh, really? How, how would we play Would You Rather with pieces? Because I could think of like 12 different ways we could do this. And each one is more fun than the last. All right. Well, um, yeah. Chris Chris saw the movie, so he's probably the expert on it now. <laughs> you guys did watch it? Okay. Uh, I mean, Would You Rather. You're the expert on that. Oh, the Would You Rather movie. Game, I see. You know, the rules and everything. This is a terrible podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it started off so well. Okay. So, would um, you rather have Paul Smith, who plays Wilbur, do things Willard. to you? Willard. Finger. Lard. Willard. Willard. Do things to you with his big, meaty fingers, or would you like to um, get in bed with the amateur detective before he hears a noise outside? I think the most beautiful thing in the world is smoking pot and fucking on a waterbed at the same time. That doesn't answer so, the question. But... So you're saying you want a mustache ride on that creepy professor? <laughs> I'm not going to charge you anymore. That's what I made the deal I made with your secretary. I ain't getting paid by the hour. I'll mm-hmm. stay till it's done. I, would you I mean, it's rather, as quick as I can. Work. That's would, better business. Would you rather have um, the the kung fu guy teach teach you some kung fu for one session? With, and then you have to eat bad chop suey with him afterwards, or lay in a bed with a girl after she's been all chopped up and bloody. And you have to spend the whole night with that chopped up body. All of the body, or just some of the body? The whole body. Head, legs. You'll lay next to a a disemboweled body. Is there any way I could be blamed for her being disemboweled? I mean, yeah, you could always be blamed for it. I mean, you're laying next to it. Yeah, no, I'll come to it. Fuck yeah, I'll eat the bad chop suey. Alright, and that ends our game show edition of Jello Chow Chow. I don't think think any of us won. Okay. Would you rather be the second investigator's eyebrows or Lindsay George's forehead? If I had to be one body part, I guess it would be the eyebrows. I do like that guy's kitchen. It's like... um, you know, the, the Dean, he's got like a completely separate room where the stove is compared to where the sink is. Like you walk through like a glass partition to get the teapot and then brought it in to the other room where the sink was. I thought that was a pretty cool looking kitchen. Yeah. That's the way it should be. I'm very strong, you know. Yes. <laughs> so, Pete is... <clears throat> Eric, how was your Fortnite? Well, I mean, I watched this movie called Pieces that I think we're going to talk about tonight. 
And um, yeah, that's really about it. That's really all I did. Um, like I said, I went and visited the, the West Coast over in Portland, Oregon. Oh, Portland. I was about to smack you, dude. Yeah. Um, if you come to the West Coast, you need to come stay on my couch. All right. That'll, that'll be my next vacay. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so it's been a little uneventful. Um, speaking of movie screenings, movies, I'm not, it's not really a drive-in, but they're playing a movie in the cemetery this Saturday that I'm going to go attend at dusk, and it's 1922's Hexen, Witchcraft Through the Ages. Oh, my gosh. Huh. So if anyone wants to come up to Minneapolis for that. That sounds really fun. That's what's going on. And it's a memorial cemetery. No one's, there's no fresh corpses there or anything. It's all old soldiers in a row. And I don't think that the screening actually takes place on the tombstones or anything like that. It's not sacrilegious people, even though it kind of is because we're watching a movie about witchcraft. Even knew that their bodies would be desecrated with that filth. They would have never died for this country. I know, man. Because they died for your freedom to be able to watch that movie on their dead bodies. Maybe they have but, like do they, they have like a mausoleum with a big wall on the side. They project it on the wall. Yeah, that's what I'm envisioning, and I'll probably show up in my patriotic garb, creep. Don't worry. All right, Uncle Sam outfit. Now we're talking. Um, I saw some movies that I want to bitch about real quick. Insidious Three sucks balls. That movie. Why would you even watch so it after Insidious Two? Damn awful. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I went to the Universal Halloween Horror Nights and got kind of brainwashed into thinking that some movies would be good. The Maze for Insidious was really scary as shit. It was What's good. Maze? Yeah, they have all these haunted house mazes. Okay. In the middle of the night, people jump out at you, and they're all based on movies, nice. and TV shows. It's pretty good. Um, so that was just like a huge turd that should have ended. Like there were just like characters that are brought in that should have plot points, and then all of a sudden they're just never spoke of again. It was just, it was like a camel. It was just, it was so awful. Is the uh, is the first one good? No, not really. No. I mean, there. If you like movies that have like jump scares that come out of nowhere, right, and scare the shit out of you because it's something up close and something screaming, then yeah, that's interesting and fun. But if you want a movie that is good and at the end of the movie you're like wow that ending didn't suck then I wouldn't watch any of the Insidious movies. This one was awful and the ending for this was like worse than any ending of a movie I could remember. Like it's worse than the kid shooting the parents at the end of Bay of Blood spoiler. (laughs) But um, so that was that. The only reason I ask is because I have a bunch of like new quote-unquote horror movies that I've never like gotten into the mood to watch and I think that might be one of them and The Conjuring is one of them that's um, scary I mean uh, they're all scary because shit jumps out at you and the, the remake of Evil Dead did anybody see that? yeah it's okay it, yeah, it's, it's worth watching <clears throat> you can tell that they thought that they were going to try to 
jump on the popularity of Cabin in the Woods. Watch past the credits, the end credits. Oh yeah, that's what somebody else told me too. You got to watch past the end credits. <clears throat> and what yeah. was the, uh, there's one more on here, and I can't find it now. I'm looking at my movie Did list. Cabin in the Woods. No. Is it that Deborah Logan movie? That was actually kind of disturbing. Yeah. I don't like old ladies. I have to watch that for a, a movie club I'm in. Oh, man, I can't find you it. You watch it. Yeah. Basically, all of these movies my daughter likes. My daughter's okay. 12. It's her she generation. gets scared. Oh, She'll House, say, of the, House of the Devil. Did anyone see that? That's good. I just watched that. That's kind of out of the norm for this current crop of movies. It's actually really, really yeah. good. It's slow as all fucking hell. It's slow, but it's got a real good uh, nostalgic throwback vibe to it. Yeah. The cool. way it's done is good. But yeah, um, I watched fucking... Um, uh, I can't believe I'm going to... Uh, Killer Legends on Netflix... It's by the guy that did the Cropsy documentary, which is also worth watching. But it's basically about these urban legends that were made into movies and where the urban legends actually came from. And uh, it's really, really interesting. And one of them was uh, like the guy coming to kill the babysitter and he's on the phone with her inside the house. That whole thing. Killer clowns. Um, poisoning. Halloween candy. It's just it, it's it's a good documentary. But um, I watched two newer movies though. God, I watched a lot of movies. I typically try not to do anything. Um, <laughs> but I saw I saw the visit. And uh, oh, Shamalama Ding Dong. Shamalama Ding Dong. Mm. And I saw um, Good Night Mommy. What was the other one you said? Good Night Mommy. It's like a French movie, I think. Hmm. No, it's Dutch, I think. Um, but it's about these... Goodnight Mommy was interesting. It's about these two twins, and their mom goes and gets surgery, and when she comes back, her face is all bandaged up, and the kids don't think that that's their mom. Like, hmm. they're, like, talking to her, and they go, holy shit, that's not mom. Oh, you and, know what? I've um, heard of this. Yeah. That was interesting, um, and I won't ruin that at all, because, like, half the people I know who have seen it knew exactly what was going to happen, and the other half had no idea, so I'm just not going to say anything. The visit was, if you liked The Sixth Sense and that Shyamalan era, um, and stories that might be a little weak, don't bother you too much, then this movie might be for you. His stuff is pretty weak. I've I've sworn off of him. This um, was the better, probably the best thing I've seen of his since Unbreakable. Okay. Because I'm going to say The Village pretty much killed him for me. I didn't even see Lady in the Water or The Happening, which I heard were even worse. And oh, just, God, The Happening, dude. I'm not looking... For, yeah, I'm not going to go out of my way to watch any of his stuff, really, anymore. But anyway, so Pieces. Yeah. Let's talk about pieces. that. Let's talk about Pieces. So, Let's talk um, about Pieces. Oh, Jesus Christ. 
let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that it can't be. Let's talk about sex. That's what it is. Who is that? Uh, I don't know. Like Belle Biv DeVoe or some nonsense. I don't. I don't know. Some eighty. No, no, no. Was it Salt and Pepper? I think it was Girls. Yeah, it was Girls. <clears throat> was it TLC or it was it Salt and Pepper? It has to be looked up now. Pretty sure it was neither one. I think it was Salt and Pepper. And Vogue? Nope, it was Salt and Pepper. Oh. Bam, and Vogue. I haven't heard that in forever. So, yeah. <clears throat> sorry, guys. For anybody that's still actually <laughs> with us. Uh, hey, if you have any questions for us, let us know. Yeah, we're, we're obviously go. extremely knowledgeable. There's there. I'm going over to the Q and A. Wait, I looked at answered questions and there's none, and then I looked at questions and there's also none. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I picked pieces because, uh, well, just a little bit of backstory because why not? Um, one of my earliest memories of Fangoria magazine was a copy of the that a copy of Fangoria that had an article on the movie Pieces and I think I was initially drawn to the article because they had pictures of some of the murders in the film uh in the magazine but then I started reading and it talked about um you know it talked about some of the plot and you know here you have this uh killer who chops people's heads off in broad daylight and how you know they screened this thing in the movie theater, and uh, the audience was laughing because the mother was asking for a plastic bag before they were never even invented. And um, I just I don't know I I don't know if I I just kind of was totally drawn to the idea of the film and didn't know if I'd ever get a chance to even see it. Uh, I pretty much just read the plot and knew most of the plot of the movie before I ever saw it. I think I was probably about, I don't know, 11? Sounds like about 11 or 12. So, um, I did finally get to watch the movie and it's been uh, a, a film that I've probably watched uh, I can't even imagine how many times I've seen pieces. Um, I think the first copy I ever got was, um, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember when you would take two different VCRs and hook them up together. Fuck um, yeah. So that you could make, uh, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> so that you could make like bootlegs and then some of the um, videos would have macro vision and you wouldn't be able to copy them and they'd have all the, the heat waves and stuff. But yeah. Pieces didn't, of course, because why would it? Um, so I, I had a copy of Pieces and I watched it a lot. And um, I saw it on the big screen at the uh, Exhumed Films um, Halloween Horrorthon. I forget which episode it was, uh, or which which um, which version. Maybe the first one or the second one. And I, I'm having trouble concentrating. Uh, <laughs> Is that not the about. scariest thing you've ever seen? I switched to Eric's screen. So you can buy this. It's like a little doll. Put that down. Just <laughs> talking. Show some respect. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that what the 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 commentary and those visuals went well together. That's the weird part. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, clearly it's a it's a staple in my library of horror films. I like it. It's obviously a very dumb film. Uh, it's not to be taken seriously. Uh, it's very silly. 
um, but it's really a lot of fun and gory as hell uh, and very misogynistic and exploitative and so on and so forth. But when um, I started the Jalo score, I said, boy, uh, it's very in a very similar vein uh, to Harry, Happy Birthday to me. Uh, was this film, and I said, well, I wonder how it would do on the Jalo score, so I picked it. Um, uh, it was released in 1982. The director is Juan Simon. Uh, our soundtrack composer is Stil Stelvio Cipriani, who also did, I believe, was it um, Bay of Blood, which yeah. is one of Creep's favorites. And he also did Death Walks on High Heels. Um, I think that Pieces isn't that great of a soundtrack. Um, it's not horrible, but it's it's. I think the problem with the, with the Pieces soundtrack is that I'm always reminded of the marching band music that never ends in the middle of the movie, and I'm sure that that can be credited to whoever put the soundtrack together. Um, but anyway, uh, it's for anybody who hasn't seen it um, or who needs a reminder or refresher, um, the film starts out with a flashback scene of a little boy who decides that he just doesn't want his mother to tell him what to do anymore. And so he smacks her over the head with an axe three or four times. Um, and then while he's waiting for someone to notice that no one has left the house in a few days, he saws her into pieces and then eventually hides in the closet and pretends that there was a killer. And then uh, we flash forward to 40 years later and what we assume is the same person is now constructing or reconstructing the puzzle of the naked woman that he was constructing when he was a boy um, and eventually goes on a murder spree to collect pieces based on the puzzle and sew them together so that he can recreate this woman. Whether he's recreating the woman to replace his mother, or whether he's recreating the woman as a sexual object, or both at the same time, is never really explored, uh, because it's not that deep of a film in the first place. Uh, however, um, it is, uh, with all of its weirdness and strangeness stripped away, uh, it is basically a murder mystery, and we have a uh, two-person uh, detective duo along with an amateur detective who are following clues. Uh, all of the murders are committed within the confines of this university. Uh, did they ever say the name of the college? Uh, or was it just a... I don't think they un did. Some unknown name. school in Boston. Some school in Boston. So, you know, we're introduced to... Uh, uh, a slew of, of shifty-eyed characters who have weird things in their past and whatnot and uh, were presented with a bunch of red herrings. But really, the film is about the murder showpieces um, and all of the crazy stuff that happens in between. So um, I thought it was an interesting uh, film to feature here on the podcast because uh, it does follow... Um, generally the Jalo format um, to close out my uh, discussion or introduction of the film um, it got a 61 on the Jalo score 
Uh, and when you consider that uh, it lost 23 points for not being Italian with an Italian director uh, and at the time between 1970 and 75 when most Jolly were put out, um, it's a pretty good score. So consider that it, uh, if it had been released at a different time, it would have gotten a 84. Uh, 84 is a uh, way higher than the norm for most Jalo or Jolly. Uh, I've been listening back to the podcasts over the last several weeks, and I am completely inconsistent when 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 I use the plural versus the singular of Jalo. Um, I just totally use it totally wrong, and most of the time I use it uh, wrong. Which <laughs> I said that twice, uh, but uh, yeah. So anyway, it's. Um, it's an interesting film. It hits, uh, as far as the Jalo score is concerned, it hits a lot of the uh, important staples and standards, and even scores six out of ten on the little one-point things, which um, I think most of those are uh, very specific to the time period. Um, so that's kind of interesting as well. So a 61 out of 100 for a 1982 Spanish-American co-production of basically what's an American slasher but has enough kind of international ness to it uh, very specifically when you watch um, pieces and you um, see that they've dubbed in the audio even though most of the actors are speaking English it makes you feel like you're watching uh, an Italian or some other kind of foreign European horror film so um, yeah it's more giallo than most giallo and needless to say, I love the film and would recommend it to anybody. I think Creep probably is in the same camp. Well, we should mention I that am... Creep is in the movie. Uh... Popeye. I mean, Brutus. There, there's... Um, how do I make that happen? There we go. For those of you watching, there's a picture of me. <laughs> and the... Uh, yeah. Old Bluto. Old Bluto. Um, yeah, Paul is like fucking awesome. I love that guy. Um, but yeah, um, let me see where I was going to hit something. Oh, never mind, Eric, what do you think? What do I think? Um, oh, of the movie pieces. Yes. Yeah, I suppose I'll, I'll go ahead of you because I know you got a lot of love for this movie to share, I'm sure. I mean, you've got the t-shirt on right now for our video subscribers. Um, but yeah, pieces. Oh, none of them. Yep, it is a it is no classic. That's for sure. Oh fuck you, it, sir. Neither is it boring. Delivering okay. murder by axe, knife, and chainsaw, a smorgasbord of severed limbs, sliced torsos, and grisly decapitations, plus gallons of the red stuff. <laughs> Clumsy, energetic, and derivative as hell. It's best viewed as an over-the-top summation of the slasher horror genre taken so close to the edge that it tilts into self-parody. That's uh, my own original thoughts. I did not read that out of the Arrow DVD booklet um, sitting right next to me, but that pretty much does put it in a nutshell and, and says a lot better than I could have. Um, you know, I read, read that little booklet after I took all my notes and stuff, and pretty much is word for word what I wrote down. It's very derivative. Um, it's at the zenith of slasher films in 1983 here in America. Um, just perfect grindhouse driving 
fun. Um, even if you can tell where, you know, you were talking about the soundtrack, and from what I understand, the soundtrack itself is even kind of stitched together from different sources, um, and that's kind of how this this movie feels to me. Even though it's it never gets into, you know, I said it was derivative, sort of this guy Stephen Thrower, but it never gets into the point where it's like, oh, I saw that in this movie, or I saw that over here. It's just kind of they took it and they made it their own and had a lot of fun with it. Um, and I was, yeah, I was never looking at the clock watching this movie go by. It's actually really short, but it was just something that I was really enjoying. And I didn't think that I was going to get that much jolly out of it, but I, I felt like I really did see what you guys were talking about with, you know, obviously the killer's look. And then um, just the, the goofiness of, of the dubbing. Um, you kind of mentioned one of the lines that came out at the beginning of the movie with the waterbed and, <laughs> and things like that and um, just a lot of goofiness coming out with the, the kung fu instructor the uh, saxophone music playing while she was the girl was about to get into the pool taking her clothes off <laughs> uh, just her boyfriend in general is the, the amateur detective he's supposed to be like the stud on campus he's a big doof yeah, he is, and he's a huge stud. Like the whole That's reason like the why he didn't part. get, and the whole reason why he didn't make it to the pool to have sex with the one girl was because he was having sex with some other girl. Yeah. And then later on, he's got the third girl who's saying, "Do anything you want to me. You can even put a gag in my mouth." Yeah. Please stay Don't in the bed. Control myself this time. Keep banging me. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, uh, I mean, I have it on on this DVD, but it still retained that that grimy look to it which I don't think they'll ever be able to get rid of just because of how it was shot and, and how it was done and I was just I was in it the whole way and I, I really did enjoy the film um, those are just kind of my impressions of it I know we'll probably go through more in depth but uh, I'll I'll hand the floor to Creep if he wants to so wait Eric that this was not, watching it for this podcast was not your first time watching it I guess it was actually, yeah. This oh, it was. was. Time. Yeah. Wow, um, that's amazing. Yeah, I just I, I had the DVD sitting on my shelf. I can't imagine being as old as we are and seeing pieces for the very first time. That's like yeah. I didn't see it until I was probably like mid twenties. Wow. I didn't even know it existed. It was yeah, just like. I guess I didn't know either. Like you're saying, it's it's one of those slashers that doesn't really jump to the top of the list. But in it, yeah, I guess it doesn't hold that that nostalgic quality that it does with you, Chris. That a lot of other slashers do with me. So, right, it was it maybe was a little more difficult to immerse in some of the, the silliness. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that my, my youth went down the B movie trash avenue. Yeah. Uh, much quicker than most people I think you know most kids uh, my age who started watching horror movies probably watched some of the more mainstream ones but um, the thing about pieces was I had a friend who had already seen the film once um, while we were trying to obtain a copy because it was one of those things where um, it wasn't porn but you know your parents still wanted to know what did you get from the movie store and yeah. if you told them that you rented pieces, you probably weren't going to be able to watch it. So you either had to rent it and hide it and wait for them to fall asleep or watch it at somebody's house where the parents didn't give a shit or the parents weren't home. 
And so my friend had seen it once already, and he said, you have to wait for the very last scene. You have to wait for the very last scene. And that was like the thing that I had been, you know, and I think the very first time I saw it, I turned it off maybe before the, that very last scene, or if I didn't turn it off, it must have been that I thought something else was what he was talking about and not the actual very last scene. Yeah. Um, so it took me a couple of times, and, and then when I finally saw it, I said, oh, okay, I, I understand what the big deal was. But yeah. um, did you guys, I mean, and speaking from the, the Jalo standpoint, I mean, that beginning... Um, after the flashback is over and we flash forward to 40 years later, um, the parallels um, that you can draw between the beginning of Bird with the Crystal Plumage and the beginning of this film with the black, uh, you know, basically the black outfit with the hat, the jacket, and the gloves, taking out the picture, taking out the box with all the trinkets in it, you know, and then holding up the picture this is going to be my next victim, that sort of thing. I mean, um, obviously not a coincidence. I don't know if, you know, they decided that they were going to, they were going to lift that directly or they were just influenced by, you know, Argento or, or Jolly. I mean, you have a, um, a European filmmaker, so I would assume that, you know, Jolly well, was before, on his mind a little bit. Before I comment on that, I'm going to go ahead and, explain how I got into this movie. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, the reason why I saw this movie the first time was because <clears throat> a friend of mine knew I liked just the most cheesy, ridiculous slasher movies that I could find. And I was really in... I was really getting into shallow films. And... Um, He's like, oh, dude, you have you like, what do you think of pieces? I'm like, I don't even know what that is. And he was just like, so shocked that I had never heard of it <laughs> or seen it. And um, he just brought it the next time I saw him. And he's like, sit down, don't do anything else, just watch this. And it was just amazing. And um, when you're talking about um, the crystal plumage bits like totally and just like when he's like they, there's a shot they use a couple times of the killer in the window of the door like yes. looking in on the girls in the ballet that just yep. looks like fucking blood and black lace or um uh what's that how come I can't think of it the movie uh Black Billy the Tarantula like, mm -hmm. it just, like, it has so much, um, Jalo influence in this. Like, way more than I, any slasher I could think of. But, um, but go ahead with what you were saying. No, that was it. I, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, the movie eventually kind of loses that, that stylistic, I mean, it, it, it creeps in every once in a while, um, but clearly the emphasis is on the shock and the titillation and the nudity. Um, you know, we certainly do have this investigation going on with these two cops. Um, and I don't know, like, I think I like... like I. One of the things that reminded me of Jalo was that 
you know they they tried a little bit of humor with the cops like every time um lieutenant bracken is being introduced by the dean he says uh inspector and then bracken corrects him each time and then they bring him to see the psychiatrist and he says uh come on and meet the doc and he says i wish you wouldn't call me that you know i'm not a doctor of medicine and you know just these little kind of one-liners that you know argento's really kind of known for and some of these other like you know all of the all of the little like hijinks that they did in death walks on high heels with the with the cops and the guy who vomits out the window on top of the one cop's hat and um penny packer and every time the, the inspector was about to take a sip out of his tea somebody else interrupted him like some of that little almost like slapstick stuff was going on in this movie um but it was so subtle and it wasn't subtle like because they made it subtle it was subtle because the movie is so outlandish in every other way that it's almost like you don't notice them trying to be subtle in in, in other ways i just um one of the things that i just can never wrap my head around is why they did that very first scene with the girl who slams into the mirror on her skateboard um that, other than just that, to have a scene like that i don't know to me that was um the sound of her hitting that mirror was the trigger that made him start his killing spree. You think? Yeah, okay. it's, it's the same thing with Bird in the Crystal Plumage. Like, the girl saw the painting, and the painting triggered her to go on a killing spree kind of thing. Okay. You know? See, I didn't, I didn't get it from... I didn't get that. I, I kind of thought that, okay, here's the picture of the first person that I, I'm going to kill for her head. And I was about to go after her, but then she slammed into the mirror and it reminded me of my mother smacking the mirror with something. And so I put an X through her head and decided to start with somebody else. Like it, the, the, what I got out of it was it was like a false start for the killer. But, um, I mean, I think your explanation makes more sense. Like, why would, why would they show, you know, him fuck it up? You know what I mean? Like he, it was like a rough draft or something. You know, it was like yeah. his first try. It was. It makes sense, but it was done with less precision and skill than an Argento might have done. I know that rubs creep the wrong way. Anything Argento does rubs me the mm. wrong way. No, mm. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, but the thing that gets me every fucking time is how the killer walks into the elevator with a chainsaw behind his back <laughs> yep. and the girl doesn't see it <laughs> and that is hysterical but then when the, the kid and the cops run in the kid is telling the cops what to do and oh, the and cops are standing there and puking and, and not only that but the, but the, the cop who's puking his guts out is the one that Kendall tells to go make the phone call. The other one's just fine. Like, why wouldn't you tell the guy who doesn't have a, a mouthful of vomit to go make the phone call? You know, I noticed that this time around. Like, he just That's he just so happened to pick funny. Yeah, it's really funny. But but it, so if I you guess... want to talk about like a a hero that is totally unlikely on accident, it would be Kendall for sure. Right. 
Yeah, and he's not like completely unlikable, and he's not totally like the hero like you root for him either. So he kind yeah. of pisses you off because you're like, how how does that guy get so much play? Right. Well, I guess my question for my question for Eric is, did you guess the killer? I feel like okay after forty something movies, I'm still pretty terrible at guessing killers. This one I actually got got pretty early on. They weren't bashful about kind of you know letting you know, but at the same time, it wasn't like an obvious misdirection. It was just kind of something that was that they were leading you down that path towards, and it wasn't like they were trying to hide it as much yeah. be a, a typical Jalo movie. But at the same time, they were weren't going to give it away right away. But there really weren't too many people that you could cast blame on. Obviously, it wasn't going to be Bruto or Bluto, <laughs> um, right? As much as much fun as that would have been. But yeah, no. it's like as as the movie goes through, as as it keeps going forward, you you're dwindling the list. Yeah, down to like I mean, one person basically. Yeah, Will Willard does kind of put a I don't know give himself a bad name when he starts attacking everyone for no reason and throwing people across the room and you know he, no one's threatening him or anything he's just kind of going ape shit I thought that was kind of silly but yeah he's like well you know here you guys caught me in this room with a bloody chainsaw and a yeah. bunch of pieces of, of a girl I guess I'm gonna have to act like I did it yeah. throw yeah, look in the face is the best. he's like he <laughs> looks at the chainsaw and he's like hmm and he looks down and he's like, oh, <laughs> mm. and then he just, just like, oh. he goes through that whole that whole rigmarole, that whole procedure, and then he's back a couple scenes later, like nothing happened. So that's kind of how you know he was off the list. Yep. But um, yeah, I was able to kind of figure it out early on. But like like you were saying about the very ending, with without spoiling it, I'll just say that I'm very surprised in this day and age, 2015. Um, you know, this this movie did kind of the reputation did kind of precede itself, but at the same time, I hadn't I'd never heard anything about someone saying, "Wait till the end." Oh, you got to see the end. The ending is just crazy as shit. I never heard any any kind of inkling like that. So that was something that caught That's me good. off guard, and I I got I feel like I got the impression that the movie makers wanted because I didn't know anything about it. I did not know that was yeah. Funny. And you know, in, in a regular Jalo, that ending just doesn't go with anything like it it doesn't make any sense at all that this woman who wasn't really a one woman but m five or six women pieced together would all of a sudden be animated and uh, reach up and and uh, grab our protagonists um, package yeah. tear it clean off and pop it like a bubble yeah that um, was a total slasher ending like yeah slasher. yep totally slasher ending but um, what was I gonna say? Uh, totally Every time I see that, though, I forget about it. And like, whenever I watch it, like when the body comes out, <laughs> I jump a little bit. I'm like, holy yeah. shit, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's always and then, yeah. And then when the hand comes up, then I jump again, and I'm like, fuck, I totally. And I, it's like, it really well. I never remember that that happens until yeah. it happens. I'm yeah. like, oh my god. Yeah, because there's a there's a there's a big kind of you know that the end game or the fi you know the final scene it's like in in a in a traditional giallo 
they will spend some time trying to either reenact or reconstruct the motive or the psychology behind why the killer was doing what he was doing and they didn't do that here they just had the final standoff and it was like okay the cops come and you know the killer has decided that he's going to hide and i guess he hides behind like the curtain or something and mary has been left in the room and she's drugged and she can't say anything and then you know there's that final struggle between the killer and um kendall and then once that's over and he gets killed and then you know you, you feel like okay we've come to closure and then you say oh wait a minute they still have to figure out how to find this thing that the that the guy was piecing together and sewing together so let's go and um, we have to go and 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 Bracken basically says okay let's tear this place apart and so they don't find anything but then Kendall you know hits the uh, the trap door and then she comes out and she falls down and uh, on top of him right and he goes and freaks out and then it's kind of like okay that's the ending but that wasn't the ending they still threw one more thing in there for you just in case you know you weren't uh... just in case you thought this movie was serious <laughs> right <laughs> um, you know I mean it's total like a tongue-in-cheek like fuck you reality you know what I'm saying right but. of course and and and, if, and the thing that you know I don't know whether this is like Jalo or not like Jalo I haven't decided yet but like the whole way that they decided to figure out that it was the Dean we can kind of just spoil it, at this it. Point. The dean. Um, how did they figure out it was the Dean well Kendall found some transcript where the guy changed his name. So they call records, the records department in Arlington, and I'm assuming they're talking about Virginia, and they find out that it's the Dean. And apparently he, his mother was chopped up when he was a kid and it must have caused some sort of trauma, and then they've decided that that's enough, and they, they have enough information to go and get the Dean. But... Um, did any of that, like, evidence make sense to you guys? I mean, like, I know that they said something about, well, he goes to Arlington on the first of every month. And in the beginning of the movie, they talked about how the kid has a father who was in the Air Force. And I start, like, putting these extra pieces together because I want to make something, I want to make sense of it, even though there probably is no way to do it. Like, okay, his father was killed in the Air Force in the war, and so that's why he goes to Arlington the first of every month to see his father who was buried in Arlington Cemetery, which is where they bury the soldiers. Um, you know, did anybody put any of that together? And like, how, like, like, how did they, how did, how do you feel about the fact that they just kind of spent maybe the only, the know, only part 30 to 40 seconds like, proving, you know, what, that it was the deed. The only part I didn't like about it is that, like, the police force or one guy is going through all these records and Kendall shows up and just happens to fucking stumble upon shit that's going to make everything awesome. Well, he was so that was the only, like, I'm like, fucking this guy, dude. Like, I would have liked this more, I think, if it was, like, a thing where, 
like Bird with the Crystal Plumage, he was a suspect, like a hardcore suspect. Right. You know what I'm saying? And he was trying to like prove his innocence or whatever to kind of earn his way in instead of like, hey, I'm the coolest guy on campus. Well, then you should definitely come into our police station and do our job for us. Yeah. Right. You know, I stick my uh, life on him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, like, I think the thing with the Dean lying about his past and having a hacked up mom, I think that was enough for them to at least go question him. I don't know if it was enough for them to say he obviously did it because I think they had absolutely zero suspects. Because the one guy obviously couldn't do it because he was gay. Right. So, and <laughs> everyone an knows gay people can never kill anybody. Yeah. Um, but, like, other than that and Paul, like, there are absolutely no more suspects. Yeah, the only other person that we've even heard from was the secretary. So, yeah. could have been her, but... And then I liked how, you know, they had this little kind of interruption murder, I'd call it. Like, you know, the killer was not interested in this woman from the paper as far as making her into part of his project, this Frankenstein project of sewing women's parts together. So he didn't use a chainsaw on her. He just used a knife. Um, I thought that was probably one of the more well orchestrated murder sequences because they Fuck used yeah. the, the slow motion and the waterbed and the knife and uh, it was really well done and really gory and um, that is the director's favorite scene of the movie that he yeah. did I believe yeah. it well I, I, I slowed down and, and, and paused the the murders uh, the first murder of the girl who's just sitting out on the lawn studying and uh, if you, every time I've watched it, uh, I say, why did they film that with the sun like right in our faces during the money shot? And then if you slow it down and freeze frame it, you'll see that the mannequin that they used for that particular cut looks so ridiculously fake. It's, that it's like the Mrs. Voorhees getting her head cut off. Yeah. Like, the thing hits it this way and the neck breaks this way. It's or like, awful. Or like the original Evil Dead where that one zombie flies up in the air and Ash hits it with a shovel and it looks like some sort of puppet. It's on screen for just a split second, but then yeah. it, it, it looks like a puppet or a mannequin from the mall or something. So, um, and then, you know, the, the scene where the girl's in the elevator and you can clearly see, you know, she puts her her arms out and then they cut away and then they cut back and then she's got this kind of thing that looks like this yeah. it's out. so rad <laughs> that, when that gets cut out dude, it's just like that's for me that like I was in like that was like yeah it's cool when that girl's arm gets cut off cause like I'm really into like that like Japanese spray yeah yeah know? arterial so, like, spray yeah. yeah totally so like when that arm came off and like blood shot up on her face I was like oh like I don't like gore but when it's like I like blood like I don't want to see brains or eyeballs or intestines or anything <laughs> like that but when shit is like spraying out it's like Christmas dude I love so you're, it it's so, so you're big on the uh, on that on that scene in Tenebrae with the with the axe 
Fuck yeah. yeah but like yeah. anything that looks like um, like Tokyo Gore Police or Machine Girl or um, Frankenstein Girl versus Vampire Girl or whatever that was. Like, it's just class, man. Like anything. Like, like uh, Attack the Flying Guillotine or Man of the Flying Guillotine or whatever. Like when he throws that little cage thing on the chain. Have you guys seen that movie? No. Oh my god, dude. It's like this guy has this basket and it's on a chain. It's like this old 70s Japanese samurai thing. And when he... It lands on people's heads, and then he pulls the chain, and it has, like, razors all over it. Mm. And it rips their heads off and leaves their head in the basket or whatever. <laughs> and it's, like, stump. It's just, like, amazing. It's so, like when like, they, did, they, they did that in, like, Kill Bill with the... Uh, to just... Yes. To, to emphasize, like, how sharp the swords were. You know, all the, even all, all the capillaries were spraying out. Like, oh my god, it's so much fun. Yeah. I think in, I can't remember if it was Machine Girl or Tokyo Gore Police, but one of those, like she decapitates like a cop or something like that, and it's just like yards of blood <laughs> raining, and it's like slow motion, and it's just like blood raining down. And it's so <laughs> ridiculous and fantastical, but it's just right. like, I love it. And like, it's kind of like that whole thing, like, I like my Jalo really ridiculous and over the top. And so when you go and your blood is over the top on top of it, it's just like, to me, it makes it more sweet. It's like right. a candy bar with everything yummy in it that you want, you know? But, um, I don't know. Um, I do have quite, was there anything else you want to talk about, about the actual movie? I have a lot of, not a lot, but I have some notes about behind the scenes kind of no, stuff. No, let's, let's hear it because, uh, I love this movie. I love hearing stories about this movie more than the Yeah, I'm movie, really so. bummed. I haven't watched the, um, audio commentary, um, on either version. I don't know if it's the same audio commentary on the Grindhouse and the Arrow version, but um, on both of those, yeah. Are you going to talk about the tennis, Eric? Go ahead and say anything you got, and then I'll <laughs> I don't throw have some much. Out. I just, I just want. I, didn't want, I wouldn't have felt. I wouldn't have felt right leaving here tonight without talking about the tennis scene and the playing of the tennis, and these. This woman's supposed to be a superstar tennis player, <laughs> and. Just the lobbing that they would do back and forth, and then the people's heads back and forth with the action. Well, there's one where the heads don't even follow the ball. Yep, the exactly. Heads turn and then the ball comes across. Yeah. Yep. They can't keep up with it. It's so action-packed and fast. But um, I guess just tying that into the trivia, I get, they they were not expert tennis players, believe it or not. They probably didn't even know how to hold a tennis racket. And they had to hire a, uh, I guess like a tennis coach or a tennis instructor to come on the set and teach them so that, I think it even said that, teach them so that, that it would just be passable. That like people wouldn't watch and be like, this is god awful. But I don't know if it's because I read that before I watched the movie. I don't think it would have mattered. I think just watching them play it um, just stuck out like a sore thumb. And especially because so they did it as like this this all-star tennis champion <laughs> talking about Linda 
Day George. Linda Day George. Well, about that scene in particular, when she um, got the part, um, the American Investors uh, producers, I think it's Dick Randall and somebody, they brought all the American talent in, and the director never met or talked to any of them before the movie. So when they got there, um, he asked her, he's like, do you know how to play tennis? And she's like, everyone in California knows how to play tennis. Oh, <laughs> and so he's like, okay. And he's like, she couldn't even hold a racket. She had no idea what she was doing. <laughs> and then the girl she was playing was the wardrobe girl's mo- daughter. And it was just like a little bit part for her to be in the movie or something like that. And she didn't know how to play tennis. And so that's when they were like, shit, we need to change the schedule and shoot everything else because they have absolutely no idea what they're doing (laughs) and they hired their tennis coach or whatever but um the director um what's his name help me on simone 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 okay um when he got offered this movie it wasn't this movie he got offered he actually was offered um House of a Thousand no House of a Thousand Corpses Last House on the Left Part 2 and um, he just didn't like the script and didn't really think there was a whole lot to do it was kind of a boring thing for him so um, they gave him a synopsis that either was entitled A Thousand Screams or Jigsaw and um, I can't remember which one he said he wrote off of it, but um, it was like a 12-page synopsis. And he's like, well, I've never done like a horror movie before, so if I do this, I want total creative control, if I'm going to write this and do all this stuff. And um, so they gave him complete creative freedom to do whatever he wanted to do, and that's how... um, the movie happened. Uh, he wrote it in about 15 days. <laughs> the script was super short, so they had to improvise a lot of scenes um, based on what was around them at the time to um, pad the movie out. And one of those scenes was the infamous chop suey scene because um, somebody brought this karate instructor on set just to like go, hey, this is a movie being made and he's like there's no way I'm gonna let this guy out of here without being in the movie doing some fucking kung fu so they threw that scene together so they could get him in the movie Um, but yeah so it was uh, shot in five weeks in Madrid it was a co-production between America and Spain and um, the only American actor that the director had a hard time with was the guy who played the Dean. And um, he would talk when he was directing the other actors and joke and just say stupid shit. And apparently they had, on the first day of him doing this, they had a pretty violent physical confrontation. Hmm. And um, after that everything was fine and they ended up becoming really great friends. <laughs> so, when you know that actor that guy who played uh, the dean, uh, let's see, his name was Amanda Hug and Kiss. <laughs> Edmund Portum. Yeah. 
Now he was in. Him, the, I hardly knew him. He was in the fifth chord. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I'll wait till you're done. Okay. Are <laughs> you ready? Now he was in the fifth chord. Uh, he was. I don't know if you guys remember the fifth chord. Um, it's, it was a long time ago. We covered it, but in the fifth chord there is a uh, kind of love triangle. The killer is um, initially. Um, it looks like the killer is trying to uh, win the love of this woman, um, but it turns out that he's jilted by the guy instead, and the guy is th this guy who plays the uh, the dean. Uh, Was his hair lighter? Get, fifth chord. Well, uh, he, yeah. Like well, he looked. He was obviously younger. I mean, the fifth chord was uh, twelve or eleven years earlier. Yeah. So he looked a lot younger in this. But he was. I think his name was Edward something or other, and it, it, he might have been the French teacher at the school in the fifth chord. But anyway, just thought that was interesting. Because I had seen pieces first, because I had seen that when I was a kid, and I watched the fifth chord, and I'm like, holy shit, that's the Dean. It's the Dean. From pieces, Jesus. Um, another little interesting tidbit is that um, the director of pieces owned a distribution company in Spain, <clears throat> and he created um, a lot of the posters for the movies that he put out and that were put out through his distribution company and one of the posters that he made was the international poster for Bay of Blood which is the one that is most frequently used with the the red with the chick coming out with the bill hook on her neck kind of thing. Oh okay. So that's just kind of that's cool. Bit of interesting. Um, the Spanish score was different. If you recall at the beginning of this movie, it says the score is by Cam. Yes. And what Cam is, I guess, is um, like an abbreviation for some group that gives you free music to put in your films. Okay. And um, with the hopes that you will put a soundtrack out and then give them royalties on the soundtrack, hmm. I guess. And that's where the score came from, and that's how it got scored. But the director hated it and threw like a total fit and said that he wanted a brand new score made specifically for the movie. And apparently that score is only available on the Spanish version of this movie and was not released on any other version. The cam version. The cam version is the one that he hated. Oh, okay. That we have in America and they have everywhere else. Mm -hmm. But the Spain score is different, apparently. So I, because I'm always thinking about like you know the, the the kind of when the girl's riding her skateboard and smashes into the mirror. Yeah. Like I wonder like where that came from, and then you know obviously the song. Where the dancers are all running around oh. his own. Yeah. 
Running around. It sounds like Funky Town. It sounds like, won't you take me to Funky Town? I think that was, you know, obviously trying to be a ripoff thereof. And then there was the sexy yeah. saxophone uh, thing. I can't that believe they, it's called that. That's so funny. Is that what it's called? That, sexy well, sexy that's, saxophone? That's what it's called on YouTube, isn't it? I don't know. Oh, that's just what I called it. Oh. That's my name for the track, yeah. But didn't they use that twice, right? The one time when the girl is in the pool, but then again when the dancer is doing her solo dance. Yes. And then I'm sorry, goes, I'm watching the movie right now and they're eating Wendy's and it's making me really hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I love me some Wendy's. Product placement. Yeah, they were not afraid to put that front and center. And it's funny because this guy, Frank Brana is also in another movie by this director that I love called Slugs. Yeah, Slugs is a good film. A little while after this. And if you remember that movie, he's in his office and he's just trying to eat a fucking sandwich. <laughs> and um, the guy's coming in talking to him about the water. And he's like, I'm trying to eat my fucking sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> so, I fucking love that. If you like pieces, you will absolutely devour slugs. You haven't seen that in a long like, time. It's just as cheesy, but it's like... has slugs? So much more ridiculous. Yeah, it has slugs in it. But it is so ridiculous. The, the, the lines, just like how their dialogue flows is like... <laughs> I, I, I can't even describe it. It's so yeah. awful. It's like one of my favorite movies. It's great. Um, and then last but not least, um, just a little tidbit on Paul Smith. Um, he requested, because he had never done a horror movie before, and he just said, keep me away from as much of the blood and guts as you can. He's like, <laughs> I, don't, he's like I don't mind being a red herring here, but like, just keep me away from all of this stuff. I don't want to end up typecasted and all this other stuff, and then he went on to do Dune. So, yay. But he did Popeye first, didn't he? I think he did Popeye before this. Before Pieces? Yeah. <laughs> but his thing is great. There's uh, another documentary on the Grindhouse one called The Reddest Herring, and it's an hour interview with him, and it just... It's obviously an hour long, but it's like, it goes through his whole career. So if you're like sitting here going, oh, I want to get some good information on pieces from him, like, you're watching an hour long of him talking about everything he ever fucking did. <laughs> so, um, like, that's what I did. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to watch this and get some information. And I found out so much more than I ever wanted to know about Paul's huh. The reddest herring. The reddest and raddest herring. Oh, cool. And any anyway, like uh, Christopher George. Anytime Christopher George is in a movie, you know you're gonna like it. He's basically yeah. the Vincent Price of shit slasher movies. Yeah, he is. Well, if he was a TV a, guy too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in some army show. Uh, Hogan's Heroes? Shit. No, like the rat 
fuckers or something like oh, that. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, And then, of course, Linda Day George is his wife, and they were able to do a lot of movies together because it was like, hey, I'll do your movie, and if you let my wife come, we'll give you a discount mm. and all this shit. Like, if you put her in the movie. and um, but So there's a ton of great movies with them in it. If you haven't seen Grizzly, you're missing out. It's probably the best When Nature Attacks movie next to Jaws. And um, it has Christopher George in the role of um, Brody. It's about a bear. Okay. It's on YouTube. It's fucking amazing. Believe I've heard but, um, It's great, but like um, he's been in so many things. Like, uh, what's the one where he's the track coach? Was that Graduation Day or was it? Uh, yeah, I think so. There's another one, not Fatal Games. I don't know if that was it or not. He's, he's been in so many great shit movies, and he's been in a ton of action stuff, but um, he's just so nonchalant, and I, I don't know. I can't, I can't do he's it. He's always but, got um, that kind of side. He's got that, like this, you know, because he's always got, like, a cigar yeah. or something. Yeah, he, I, I like. I always like him in in that Fulci movie, Gates of Hell, because he was in yeah. that too. And uh, there's a scene in Gates of Hell where the one character they think that she's had a heart attack and died, and so they bury her in a coffin. And the guys who are digging the grave decide that they're not going to fill the grave in because it's quitting time, and so they just leave this coffin in a half-filled grave and she wakes up inside the coffin and and Peter uh, Christopher George's character is like the newspaper guy and he's walking around and there's at least I don't know two or three minutes worth of her making noises from inside the coffin and him stopping and listening because he thinks he hears something and then turning around and walking away and then she makes more noises and then he turns around again and then eventually he takes this giant pickaxe and smashes through the coffin to get her out, but almost hits her like the the, the, the pickaxe comes like this far from her face like while she's in the coffin. Uh, it's such a great scene. I don't know if you guys ever saw well, that. Well, Christopher George isn't subtle, you know? No. He, he comes in and he fucking gets the job done. He does. Because he's fucking Christopher George. And that was yeah. like the great that was the great part about some of the things I put on the soundboard where he goes from pieces where he says, What the hell with the book, damn it? The book says get the killer. And then there's the other one where he says he's like, Look, just take some uppers or something, man. Get me a lead. I just need anything. Give me a goddamn lead. And I couldn't play any of those. He's like the worst cop in the world. He's like, I'm gonna fucking sit around here. And fucking yell at everybody. Yeah. But I'm going to smoke this cigar. <laughs> That's the last thing I'm going to do. Oh, he's so great. And then he just shows up and shoots the guy. Boom. Yep. Right. What's you know, up? I'm Christopher George. I saved the day. Didn't, didn't even have, he didn't even have a couple of seconds to line up the shot, and he hit him square in the yeah, forehead. Fuck yeah, he's Christopher George. That's what he does. That's what he gets paid the big bucks for. Oh, he's hysterical. But anyway, so yeah, that's pieces. Yeah, we all true. loved it. Do you think he would have put up with getting his nuts ripped off? No, Fuck no, 
They no. probably wrote it in the script like that. He's like, no, get this uncircumcised kid. It's not ripped off. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's, oh, he's already, he's already shown his prick on the bed. Yeah, when he gets out of the bed. The, yeah. the scene where you hear something and he gets out and you see his uh, filleting guy. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, apparently, him and the chick were under the covers for quite some time before they actually started shooting it. And um, when he first got out of the bed, he was like <laughs> all gunned and ready to go. And um, he, they had to ice it. They had to it wouldn't go down, so they had to go get an ice pack and <laughs> sit it on his manhood until it, it went down away. After four hours. Yeah, like his uh, what do you call that stuff? Viagra. Yeah. Jeez, oh, Charlie. But, like, I love that guy's gray hair and black eyebrows. Like, <laughs> he's just Frank Brana. Like, that guy's got such an amazing head. Anyhow. Yeah, both, oh, and then another thing I was going to tell you. Um, because uh, you brought it up, the director said that when he wrote it... Um, the body was supposed to be... He was trying to recreate his mother because he felt guilt for killing her and wanted to bring her back. So that's why he was putting a body together, according to the director. Oh, okay. And the only way that he... I guess the only association that he had with what a woman looks like was that puzzle. So as he continued to put the puzzle pieces together he went out and got those particular pieces but I just like the scene where you know he thinks he's got the whole body done and the shoes don't fit so now he's got to get another pair of feet and he's and 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 you know the Dean comes out and he brings all this like plastic wrap and he's like let's not make a mess in here you know and she's all catatonic paralyzed from the drug and I think you know the other thing was not I know we're we're pretty much already done with this, but um, I think what was interesting about this, in compared to normal um, Jalo, normal Jolly, multiple, yeah, um, is that you usually find out who the killer is in a Jalo the same time that everybody else does, but in this film, it was pretty obvious that the dean was poisoning um, the girl. And the cops hadn't figured it out yet, and then they were on their way. But it was kind of funny when she asked for saccharin in her coffee, and he gets out this little thing that has an eyedropper. And I guess you're supposed to... When I first saw that when I was a kid, I thought that, you know, clearly that's the poison. But I guess you could make the case that that's where he kept his, like, liquid, you know... Uh, artificial sweetener and he was using that to to sweeten the coffee instead of the sugar like she had asked and so you could still say well you know you weren't sure yet if he was the killer or not but um, well I mean on a second viewing it's totally obvious he's the killer like right. he leaves every time he's supposed to leave he's always like trying to get his jacket on right because he just had to get in and out of his outfit <laughs> right right um, but it, and he's so fucking nervous the whole fucking time. And then there's the scene but, where the the dancer comes to the elevator and she goes, "Oh, oh, it's you, sir. You scared me." 
you know. So it's like clearly the victim knows who it is and she says, sir. So it's obviously not a student. It's got to be somebody in the faculty, you know. She gets in the elevator with him. And like with you said, chainsaw. with the chainsaw behind his back. It's so great. <laughs> Such an awesome movie. I tried uh, to get my wife to watch so it. I actually got her to, to agree that we could start watching it last night. But she fell asleep, like, I think when the girl was in, on the skateboard uh, heading down to the mirror. I think that's when she fell asleep. So, Oh, if anyone fell asleep in this movie, I would urinate on their face. It's mm. not going to happen. Not on my watch. Yeah, well. I'm going to play it on the projector in the back on Halloween. Maybe I won't sleep uh, at your, on your couch. Yeah, I was going to say. Come sleep on my couch, Eric. I promise I will not pee on your face. It's gone full uh, circle. Maybe it would be an honor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get your creepy yellow wings. They're like little fat yellow wings you could sew on your jacket. Yes. So you can be cool. All right. So um, what's next week's film, guys? I, I know it's, it's not Aaron. mine. No one wants to watch mine. I think I snuck mine in at number two. What have they done to your daughters? Another Yayamo yeah. joint. Let's see how that one goes. I think it'll be a lot of uh, a lot of contrasts to the film we watched here tonight. Yay. Yeah. Even though there'll be a lot of misogynistic actions towards young women still. So. Well, I remember. The only thing I remember about this film is that it's pretty gory. So, is this the one with the motorcycle? The guy on the motorcycle? Yeah, that sounds, that sounds familiar. Like motorcycle. Yeah. Kind of looks like the strip nude guy. Yeah. All right. If I remember, I think that it's not one of those things where the killer remains like hidden throughout the whole movie. Like they just identify him, and then it turns into the. You know, can the cops get him in time kind of movie. Mm-hmm. But, again, I've only seen it once, and it was a while ago, so I don't remember that much about it. Most people consider it a giallo, so, you know, we'll see. Hey, it's, it's just four more weeks till Profumo, there so go. everything's good. We're building up. It's a slow burn. <laughs> I had to find it. All right, guys. Well, I will now play you the trailer, or what have you, for um, what have they done to our daughters. What have they done? And, I don't know. Something that will make us sit through 90 minutes of trying to find out. And, um, yeah, so until next time, ciao, ciao, everybody. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao, everyone. Get my shit working next time. Get your shit working. Put some Metamucil in your damn Google. There you go. Put some ice on it. Yeah. Put some ice on it. Oh, wait, that means it's working too well. Yeah. (laughs) All right, see ya.